Thank you and praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you receive that as was intended, not just a greeting, but praise the name of Jesus Christ. He's the reason we're all here. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. What an honor it is for Christine and I to be here, a part of this very special and uh, I would say intimate setting because I feel like I'm walking to a family reunion. I didn't get all your jokes, but um, I, I know that you all did. And we love uh, your pastor and his family. I think they told me you didn't know I was coming. Is that right? Okay, I'm, I'm kind of messing. At least originally. I shouldn't have put you on the spot there. I know I did a uh, surprise thing for Brother Curtis Eby. I think that's getting to be my ministry. That's my only way to preach at these district churches is uh, make sure the pastor doesn't know. But um, I'm just glad to be here. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Isaac. Even if your pastor wouldn't invite me, I'm glad you did. <laughs> just kidding. I'm supposed to be honoring him. and Now I'm roasting him. I don't know what's going on here. You all are getting a little bit too slurpy, so I, serpy or whatever that is. I had to make sure we, so thank you so much. And sincerely, we love the Wright family. Um, you know, this family, and I can tell you, pastor loves his family that we're losing. Where did Elizabeth go? Or Esther, where she was I'm looking right at Elizabeth and saying the other. Thank you, Timothy. All right. Okay. Uh, we do miss Timothy, but Nathaniel and Elizabeth and Esther, there you are. I would announce your departure, wouldn't I? I, I have a special gifting, but let me tell you, he loves his family. Sister Angie, you know, I've thought about this. I, I mean, they're not going anywhere, but this is, this would be an, I'm part of NAM. I just came back from a national meeting. What an awesome launch team this is. These people can sing, pray, prophesy, love each other, model what a family should be. And I know that you're in there with your dad and we love you very much. And we value that sister Angie, God bless you. And thank you for standing by your man. And I'm just saying that he loves his family. And, uh, let me tell you something else. And I just, for what it's worth, he loves Antioch. Now, that's a good thing to say since he pastors Antioch Central. But I don't really mean it just in that way. I can tell you that I've sat across from him wrestling with decisions to make or not make. And let me tell you, the heartbeat and the core is you. That's a shepherd. That's someone that loves you. And let me tell you, we love Antioch. You have to keep getting older and more experienced to fully appreciate uh, what it took for us to see this great church be what it is. And we thank God for that. Uh, he loves the district. I can tell you, serving with him, the wisdom that he shares. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but sometimes when we're getting a jam, I just say, well, I wish he'd speak up because I think we could end this if he'd just talk. And... Uh, <laughs> He finally will, and I thought if you'd have said that 30 minutes ago, we could have gone to lunch. But um, that's just him. You know him. He's just, and, and, and loves people, and I love him very much. If I had it correct um, in that how you recharge, the introvert and extrovert thing, aren't I correct that you're an extrovert in that you recharge with people? Okay, this is kind of interesting because we've been friends. Well, that's presumptuous. I'll let you decide if it's interesting. But um, I'm an introvert. I recharge alone or with very few people. And in case you haven't figured it out, we're a little bit different. Because I'm more gregarious and he's more reserved, but yet 
he just, he recharges by just being with you. I recharge when I leave you. No, I'm just going <laughs> to. But I've used that a lot of times because I can be very outgoing and engaging. But it's just, it's just, I'm just telling you that it's just wonderful to be a part of this family. And uh, I think I do have a couple words written down. That seems to be the theme here. I have a couple words written down that haven't been used. But I know this man is very objective. He's very fair-minded. The Bible word, I think, would be just. And let me tell you something else. Uh, he is a preacher. He has blessed abundant life, blessed me. Thank you for who you are. And I pray that this night strengthens you and your family, and we love you very much. Amen. Let's give them a standing ovation of appreciation right now. Praise God. If you would all stand, I'm going to read scripture. I have been instructed to preach, and I do feel something on my heart to share that by God's help is going to bring this night together. Um, appreciate Jordan coming to hear me preach. That was so kind of her. Um, and William and I are just now on speaking terms, but we love him very much. Amen. Praise God. But we're going to dive into this. And let me tell you, I know we sang one song, wore your pastor's wife out, but she'll be okay. Uh, we sang one song. We're going to dive into the word. But here's what I know about this church. If anybody can change gears, open the word and be receptive, it's this church. And I know that's the way you were trained. I don't think in Bishop Wright's seminar there's a keyboard within 100 miles of him. So everything's just fine. But we're getting ready to get into the Word. And I believe that God wants to uh, speak to us today. And also, uh, we're not through by God's help of lifting up your hands here tonight. 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 12 through 14 in your hearing. Certainly look at other passages in this chapter a little bit later. Second Kings chapter 2 verse 12. Elisha saw it. And he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. And he went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elijah crossed over. By the help of the Lord, I want to speak simply the mantle. The mantle. Lord Jesus, without you I am nothing. Oh God. Oh Jesus. Where would we be without you and your people? But I'm asking you, Lord, to do something that's beyond our own ability. I'm asking you to transform our thinking. I pray that you would renew the strength of this good pastoral family. And that you do a work in Antioch for your glory and for your kingdom. In these moments we have to share. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, I wonder if you could lift holy hands to a holy God and just receive what he's about to do. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I bless you. I praise you. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. The mantle. The mantle was a mark of distinction. It was a mark of definition. There was no question as to who you were and what you represented when, as a prophet, you wore the mantle. And when you speak of the mantle, certainly Elijah and Elisha would likely come to mind. That Hebrew word that is translated in English as mantle, it's also used as garment or robe. In fact, 10 of the 12 times it's used, these three words, mantle, garment, and robe are used. As you look through scripture, the apparel is often described as hairy. And other than Esau, who came out red all over like and hairy garment, these other references seem to indicate a literal mantle, a garment, a robe. And this is what gave the prophet distinction and definition. We've often looked at Hebrews chapter 11, that hall of faith, as it comes down to verse 32 and says, And what more shall I say? And likely you recall when it says, For time would not, for time would fail me to tell. And it mentions Gideon, Barak, Samson. And it goes on down and it says, Samuel and the prophets. And you look at verse 37, it says, They, speaking of the prophets, they were stones sawn in two, on and on. But it says, the prophets wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. This was their definition. This was their apparel. The ancient prophets wore these rough garments, these upper coats made of skins of beasts, whether it was a sheep or a goat or camel's hair. And in addition to that large leather belt, this was the dress of the prophets at the time. And in Zechariah chapter 13, the Bible says in verse 4, that in that day, it shall be in that day, that every prophet will be ashamed of his vision when he prophesies. And they will not wear a robe of coarse hair, or the King James says of a rough garment to deceive. If you look at this chapter, Zechariah was indicating that uh, there's a day coming of cleansing from sin and impurity. And this verse says that these false prophets, are that the ones that spoke lies, are going to attempt to hide their identity. And he says, with all these stern measures where God says, I'm going to remove both the prophets and the spirit of impurity from the land. They were reluctant to identify as a prophet. And so verse 4 says, they're not going to put on the prophet's garment of hair in order to deceive. The mantle, the garment, the robe. I'm telling you, it was a mark of distinction and definition. If you look just a chapter early from where I read here at the outset, 2 Kings chapter 1 verse 7, King Ahaziah asked the messengers, who is this man that sent this message? And the king said, what kind of man is it? Who told you? They said he was a man with the garment of hair, with a leather belt around his waist. And the king said, oh, I know who that is. That is Elijah the Tishbite. He was recognized by the mantle, that garment of hair. John the Baptist, who was in the spirit and the power of Elijah, he wore clothes made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. I'm telling you that a mantle was a mark of distinction and definition. And when you know who you really are, you've got to wear the mantle. I said, when you know who you are, 
You've got to identify with the mantle. And the mantle must identify you. Oh, there's a lot of power, isn't there, that comes with the mantle? But there's also misunderstanding that can come with the mantle. There can be ridicule that comes with the mantle. We enjoy the power, but there's also some persecution that comes with the mantle. So tonight, I want to talk to you about this mantle. It's a mantle that your pastor wears as the shepherd of your soul. And I desire, by God's help, to give you a glimpse of the role he plays in your life so that you can appreciate him even more than you do. And I pray that I can give honor to whom honor is due. But I also see that God wants to speak to everyone that has an ear to hear so that you can respond to your own calling. A mantle of power and calling that will rest on anybody that's hungry just like Elisha was. I wonder if we could open up our spirit right now and ask God to give us ears to hear, to let the mantle fall upon us as we seek him right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, praise God, praise God. I want us to go back just a bit and witness Elijah's first recorded encounter with the mantle. You have to go to 1 Kings chapter 19 in order to do this. In verse 19, he, Elijah, departed from there and he found Elisha. And he was plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen before him. And Elijah passed by and the scripture says he threw his mantle on Elisha. Something had to be communicated between the two of them. We don't know all of the details, but he knew something was happening because it says he left the oxen and he ran after Elijah. He said, let me tell my mom and dad goodbye, then I'll follow you. He said, go back, what have I done to you? And Elijah turned back from him. He got the message and he took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh. And that oxen equipment, he used it to set a fire and then he gave that to the people and they ate and that's when Elijah rose and followed Elijah and became his servant he said when I am going to go follow you I'm going to destroy everything that could call me back to my past Elijah was in it for good that's his first encounter with the mantle I don't know the space of time from Elisha's calling to our focus passage here in 2 Kings 2. But I do read and know that this is transition. This is succession. This is the passing of the mantle. And Elijah, arguably one of the most dramatic and famous prophets of Israel, was about to end his prophetic ministry. He was about to be taken up into the heaven by a whirlwind. I'm sure perhaps the majority would know, but in the next few verses, it's a very interesting exchange that takes place. I kind of think it's, it seems like a cat and mouse game a little bit between Elijah and Elisha. The essence of it is, here it is, Elijah says, stay here, and Elisha says, I'm not going to leave you. It happened from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho and ultimately to Jordan. Everyone was stop along the way that these were schools of prophets that were learning and they'd stop again there. Stay here. I'm not going to leave you. Why would Elijah say stay here? Now, from a personal standpoint, I guess I could say perhaps it was humility that he didn't want anybody to witness such a private 
honorable moment between him and God. But I think there's a bigger picture in this. That perhaps it seems like God is asking Elijah to test Elisha's commitment and his faithfulness. That would he continue to follow and serve him. I know you burned up all of the oxen and the plowing equipment. But are you still in it? The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So if the steps are ordered by the Lord, so are the stops ordered by the Lord. And I believe that those steps, rather those stops, was an opportunity to develop character and submission to a cause that was not about him. I don't know what God's doing in your life right now, but if there's some stops there, I want you to understand that God is in the midst of the stops just as much as he's in the midst of the steps. I heard many years ago, Pastor Tim Gaddy, he was preaching and he was talking about, you know, it's true that Satan, he has a lot of things, at least in theory or in principle. Satan that we do, Satan has shared beliefs. His world has strength. It has power. We know it's not like God's power, but there's power there. There's things of the spirit world there. But you know, there's one thing that Satan cannot duplicate and compete with, and that's submission. And Elisha, if you're going to carry on this ministry, you've got to pass the test of submission. Because there's nothing that can duplicate that. That's why Satan fights it. That's why our spirits get stirred up about it. But if we ever get the principle that submission is what will open up the mantle in our life. I'm trying to get to my point. You can look in verse 7 and 8 in the final moments. Fifty sons of the prophets, there stood there facing them at a distance. And the two of them, Elijah and Elisha, standing at Jordan. And Elijah takes that mantle and rolls it up and strikes the water. We read it. It divides this way and that. And the two of them cross over on dry ground. God gave another miraculous moving at Jordan. It's a personal one now. And the mantle or the coat was symbolic of the authority of a prophet just like Moses had a staff in his hand Elijah used the mantle as Moses had Joshua by his side Elijah had Elisha there and they crossed over and Elijah said to Elisha what do you want before I'm taken away he said a double portion of your spirit what a moment that must have been I want a double share of your spirit. I want your life repeated in mine. He said, you asked a hard thing. It's not in my power. And the scripture teaches that it happened in verse 11. Suddenly a chariot of fire with horses and fire separate the two of them. Elijah indeed goes up in a whirlwind into heaven. That's when he tore his own clothes and tore them into pieces and he took up the mantle. The Bible says the sons of prophet who were from Jericho said the spirit of Elijah rest on Elisha. There's nothing heavier than a mantle. You can describe it in the best words you've got. You can describe it in the finest details, but you cannot explain the weight and the effects of the mantle upon you. I mean, this is where you figure out, indeed, what Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. It's here when the mantle's upon you. If you've got romantic notions, bravado, self-confidence, opinions, they become meaningless. I'm telling you right now that I have, I have seen people, uh, receive the mantle, the pastoral mantle, and they'll tell you, I had no idea. I tried to tell them, but I can't tell them. 
Now, we, we have our opinion of the way it should go. Like that lady that was in a line at the grocery store and her child was getting a little rambunctious and somebody behind her was muttering all the things she should do. And she looked up and smiled and said, I used to do some of my best parenting before I was a parent. Hello. Some of us are real good pastors when we've never been a pastor. I told you I was trying to get to the place where I can preach. And, and the Apostle Paul describes this mantle in a very personal moment when you look in 2 Corinthians 11. I, I was looking over it. Out of his love for the people, he becomes vulnerable when he's combating false prophets that were deceiving them. And he feels compelled to tell a bit of his story. And he says, those false prophets, are they servants of Christ? He said, I'm out of my mind to talk this way. But I've served him far more. He said, I've worked harder. I've been in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Now this isn't a text you've heard your pastors take too much to describe himself. When's the last time he got up and said, I work harder than the rest of you guys. Now I do remember a time I was preaching an abundant life. And I was trying to talk about the value of everybody. And I wanted to say, there's not one person more important than another. But I'm telling you, I got into it. And I said, there's no one more important in this church than me. <laughs> and Christina's on the front row going, no. <laughs> and if any of you say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, I'm going to rebuke you. But it, it's not language that Paul used or your pastor uses. He goes on to say, and, and, and the thing is, he says five times, different times, Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. Now, guys, that's monumental suffering. Has anybody added that to your resume? But hear me today. In the course of Paul's lifetime, no disrespect to those intense hardships, but they were few enough to be numbered. The exception may have been whipped without number. But even so, he enumerates some occasions of very memorable beatings. I'm not taken away from his sufferings. You can read it for yourself. Long journeys, facing dangers and rivers and robbers and, and dangers from his people. And, and on and on it goes. But when you look at the verse that he says in verse 28, in his own words, Then, besides all of this, Shipwreck. He, all of that. He said, I have the daily burden of concern for all the churches. The Amplified says, the daily inescapable pressure of my care and anxiety for the churches. I've seen that verse. No doubt you have too. But just a couple weeks ago, I looked at the next verse where Paul colors it even more. He said, who is weak without my feelings, without me feeling that weakness? Who is led astray that I do not burn with anger? He's saying, who is weak in the church and I don't feel that weakness? Who is made to stumble and fall and have his faith hurt? And I'm not on fire with sorrow or even indignation. That mantle is upon your pastor. It's a different type of mantle. 
than anybody else in this church. I traveled for six years from age 27 to 33. And I learned a lot. No doubt churches put up with a lot. But I can tell you, I look back on those six years and I have at least one thing, I know there's more, that I wish I'd done differently. And I'm preaching to anybody that stands in another pulpit or even in this pulpit. Here's what I wish I'd have done more. I wish I would have lifted up the hands of that pastor a little bit more. You know why I say that now? Because I've been a senior pastor since then. I cut myself slack. I've never, I wasn't there. I didn't understand the mantle. And I'm not asking you to understand it, but I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to listen to me. That I was previously a, a support pastor, a subordinate pastor. I was a youth pastor. So I should know, right? No, I don't compared to being a lead pastor. It's going to get better and I'm going to minister to them in a moment, all right? But I think we need to talk about this every once in a while. And I know we can't understand everything, but do your best to put yourself in the mind and the place of this pastor and his family that take the journey with them. I'm telling you just simple things. When I came to Baltimore close to 24 years ago, I was a new pastor and we had a men's breakfast. And uh, I remember having the little room there coming in and there was one man, Robert Warlick Sr., who came in and this is what he said. He said, hey, pretty good crowd here today. Now I know you're going to think I'm desperate, but I think it's bigger than that. You know why I'm still talking about that 24 years later? Because I didn't expect any other man to think it. I wasn't asking him to. They're coming in saying, where's the food? But there was one man that got into the mind of his pastor that said, sheep matter to him. Is this making sense? And said, hey, pastor, pretty good crowd today, isn't there? Yes, one, two. Yeah, yeah, that is good. No, it's better than that. I told the church today when I was preaching about the church that a Don Martin Sr. would come up to me because in those days I was the keyboardist, Brother Nathaniel, the preacher, a few other things. And I was going through a spiritual battle, a pastoral struggle, things, and just that man who had no idea coming up to me and just saying, I love you. And we're going to make it. I can't remember what I had to eat yesterday, hardly. But I remember that. Because this is washing the feet of your spiritual leader. Because you do your best. And there's times that you're misunderstood. But I'm going to tell you right now, what we have to understand is we make mistakes. We're not, uh, we're not infallible. But here's one thing we got to trust. Is that the motives are in the right place. I tell our church, I'm going to disappoint you. Not because I intentionally want to, but I'm going to disappoint you. But I will never do anything intentionally to hurt you. You've got a pastor and his family that believe that. That's how they think about that. And I believe something can break in this night that will give us a different move of the Spirit through our submission and our honoring and receiving the mantle that's for all of us. I've had saints I'm thinking of one that I just wasn't giving them the answer they wanted I know it's never happened here but just bear with me on this story 
And uh, they were restless. They were doing all they could to trust God and trust me through it all. But at the end of it, you know what they said? I'm not going anywhere. And sometimes you wish they wouldn't say that. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm trying to show you that in the midst of I don't get it, I don't understand, I don't know why you keep saying stay here, I don't know why you keep playing this cat and mouse with me, but here's what I do know. If in the midst of it all, I'm staying here, this is where God called me, I'm behind you, we're going to have revival together, we're going to help you bear the mantle together. It's not about a man, it's about a principle. Now, I don't mean any disrespect, but I know this armor bearer thing in some places has translated to putting slippers on the man of God, pulling up his car and wiping his brow. And again, I'm not trying to, to be unkind. I, I'm, I'm sure there's sincerity there. But let me tell you what I know about this man. Let me tell you what I know is the greatest armor bearers that we can have this church is saints that are addicted to the ministry, that are fully devoted. Foundational families that'll stay even when the days are challenging. People that are committed to this doctrine, even if God forbid the pastor would fall and leave. I'm here. I'm here for such a time as this. That's armor bearers. Time would not allow me to tell you. In my personal case of the many stories, aspects I could relate to my vocational preaching pastoral ministry. At age 16, I formally accepted from God the mantle to preach. And that was a very real and life-changing day. But I had no idea how heavy that mantle would get. But lest you misunderstand... There's nothing heavier than a mantle, but there's nothing more fulfilling than a mantle. The Apostle Paul was not complaining. I'm not complaining on, my, on behalf of myself or your pastor or any other pastor. Paul said, this is just really weird to talk about. But I got to share these things to get you out of deception I got a feeling he probably said, Pastor, when he wrote all that stuff about I've been stoned, I've all that stuff, he probably thought when he went, when he sent off the letter through FedEx, what in the world did I just write and send out? Let me tell you just a little bit. There's been plenty of times that I've walked away from the pulpit and said, what in God's name have I said? I tell the folks that we pay to work there, I'm just one sermon away from us all getting another job. But you know what? There's nothing more fulfilling than the mantle. So I'm not complaining. But I'll tell you in Paul's own words what he told the Corinth church. He said, I've got great confidence in you. And I take great pride in you. And I'm greatly encouraged in all of our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. In the shipwreck, whatever I'm facing. And my life verse is 1 Timothy 1.12 that says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he's counted me faithful and putting me into the ministry. Let me tell you, there's nothing like the mantle. Now you hear me today. I'm getting ready to turn the corner and talk to you. Mantles will take on different applications for all of us here. But you got to find your manual, mantle and you got to wear it boldly in Jesus' name. There's times that I don't want to wear that calling. 
But I'm telling you, in Elijah's case, that mantle represented the prophetic office. But for all of us, let it define us in a particular calling that God has called you to. I'm not being disrespectful at all to the privilege of preaching the gospel. And I know we've said that's the highest calling. But if you would allow me, I say it a little differently. I say the highest calling on earth is the one that God called you to. If you're a preacher, it's the highest calling. If you're a a Bible study teacher, it's the highest calling. And I'm telling you, a mantle needs to fall on every one of us today. Oh, let's lift our hands to God right now. Hallelujah. 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 Wear your mantle. Whatever your story is. You can think it's crazy, but I believe God can call preachers and missionaries and evangelists from this particular gathering. I believe he can call craftsmen and givers and teachers and those given to hospitality. I believe a mantle can fall on people here today that have a heart like Elisha that says, I will not leave until I get it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With all the needed applause we've done tonight to honor your pastor and his family. I know this about your pastor and I know this about being a pastor. They're going to love Lake Tahoe. But you know what? I'm going to tell you the greatest gift is not Lake Tahoe for this family. I'll tell you what it is. If you can give to him to accept your identity and to wear your mantle to the glory of God and the building of his kingdom. John said, I have no greater joy. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So today as our heads are bowed right now, and we're going to pray. I don't know. I just got to do what I know to do and let God take care of the rest. But I keep coming back to this. I pray I've given you a little glimpse in a unique way that you can appreciate and pray for your pastor and his family more than ever before. But I wonder if we could have enough faith and hunger that maybe in weeks and months and years to come, somebody will come back to pastor and say, you remember that pastor appreciation night something happened and a mantle fell on me I was trying not to identify with it I was trying not to let it define me but that's no more that's no more in the name of Jesus I understand that mantle of Elijah represented his authority but make no mistake God's got your own personal mantle that you need to wear for yourself as your heads are bowed right now will you search your heart and say Jesus Jesus I'm available I'm available God I'm available Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Oraboya sokia na na boya tia na na boya Oh, maybe this isn't everybody where you're at right now. But I'm going to wait if it's two people, ten people. Right now, I'm asking the mantle to fall. Where's our intercessors? That gift can be worn today. From the back to the front, from side to side. Prepare me, Lord, for whatever you have for me to do. It may not even be a life mission, but it's for this season. I'm going to say yes to it. I'm going to trust you as I go from Bethel to Gilgal to Jericho. Maybe it's not time for my Jordan, but I'm going to be ready. Hallelujah. 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 If you know the Holy Ghost is talking to you specifically, if you know something's happening in a greater way than just a general sense, whether there's two or a hundred and two, who would stand where you are right now and say, I'm going to respond to what the Holy Spirit is talking to me about right now. I'm not even looking, but whether it's two or a hundred and two. I'm going to be an armor bearer. That's it. You can't hide anymore. I challenge you. I've been there when I was a teenager. And they said, everybody that's called to preach stand. I knew I couldn't sit there. But I was uncomfortable to stand. But I had to because I could not ignore the mantle anymore. I'm putting you on the spot. What is the Holy Ghost talking to you about? Own it. Respond. Now that you're standing, you can come to the front. You can walk the aisles. You can kneel at your chair. I don't know what you do around here, but I just know that we've got to respond to what the Holy Ghost has called us to do. Hallelujah. Hold up the hands. Where's Aaron and her? Where's Aaron and her? Hold up the hands of your shepherd. We need a next generation to carry the spirit of ministry I'm talking to you teenagers you young marrieds you gotta get it you've gotta get it Let it fall on you. Elders, help us pray. Come on, armor bearers. We're only one generation from extinction. Unless you get your own mantle. That's it. That's it. Okada da boya sataya. Yokoda yada da boya saya. 
let the mantle fall I submit I yield I say yes give me a fresh perspective yes That's it, come on. That which is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. Your Jordan is coming, but you got to be faithful at each stop, at each stop along the way. That's it, come on. That's it, come on. Let's go a little farther. I need the early disciples, the early disciples of Antioch to pray right now. To pray. Jesus in the name of Jesus hallelujah yes 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 a spirit of revelation and understanding (laughs) open up my mind that's it come on 